Paul Kerharski Podcast is brought to you by the Yazoo Brewing Company, celebrating 15 years of beer in Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome into the Paul Kuharski Podcast at paulkuharski.com. I promised to try to bring you some different stuff during the Titans downtime, and I think you're going to be excited about this one. We're brought to you by Yazoo Brewery, uh, some of Nashville's finest beer. You know them from the distinct red and white triangular sign. I'm partial to the Hefeweizen, which is great in the summertime, uh, and I've been drinking them all summer long trying to stay cool. I hope you'll check them out. And uh, here's a guy who probably doesn't have access to him in Florida coming to us. Are you in Miami currently, sir? I'm in uh, Fort Lauderdale. Basically, Samari Roll, Titans all-time great quarterback, good enough to spare some time for us. We're going to do some reminiscing and get some analysis on the state of defensive back play in the league and the Titans. How are you doing, Samari? Thanks a lot for making the time. Oh, no problem finding yourself. Always fun catching up. I'm doing great, and uh, I'm heading down to Ocala soon for a uh, my eight-year-old's in a baseball tournament down there, so I'm going to come down and bake. I guess it's a couple hours from Tampa, right? Yeah, I hear the uh, Northeastern accent in you. It's Ocala. Ocala. The Oxfordian. Ocala. Ocala. Well, I'll say this. When I looked it up, I looked up (laughs) Ocala to see where it was. And the second thing that Google filled in was drug bust. So I hope we're not getting ourselves (laughs) into any trouble down there. People ask me (laughs) all the time about who my favorite Titans were and why. And you are always one of the first guys I mentioned. Uh, I mentioned all the time, uh, super friendly guy, super fun guy. I think part of it too is relatability in that, um, you know, uh, well, I, I was, we were both younger men, but you weren't, a, a, you're not a giant guy. You know, it wasn't like I was, I had to run to keep up with you, but, and, uh, you definitely understood my job and, and never had, uh, that I could remember a beef with, uh, with the way things, uh, went down. What do you remember, uh, about, uh, about your relationships and, uh, and, and did anybody with the Titans or in the media ever not like you? <laughs> um, well, I got along best with uh, you, Jim Wyatt, and Jeff Legwall because uh, it just seemed like, you know, you always asked realistic questions and not questions that kind of try to lead you down the path to say something that draws some controversy or anything like that. So I think that's why you three always, uh, you know, would talk to or anything like that. I never have a problem with you three. I always loved guys too. And you were like this, you were enough. The Titans haven't had enough of these guys lately. They're getting back to it. You were good enough that if you had something on your mind, you weren't scared to say it. I can't remember you saying anything controversial or anything, but particularly <laughs> your secondary was uh, really, really accountable. Like I remember asking somebody about a play what looked like he made a mistake in coverage and Steve Jackson uh, interrupting and saying, hey, that wasn't him. That was me. Uh, and I, I love that about you and that group of guys. You think you were unique in that and how important that a defensive back be accountable, not just in the room, but in a situation like that, where maybe somebody's taking a question on something that wasn't really his fault. And uh, if it was your fault or, or your your play, that you raise your hand in, in a somewhat public way and say so. I think the 
biggest thing uh, with the culture that we had, well, then when I came to the Oilers at first, Tennessee Oilers, uh, Jerry Gray always stood out to me because he played the game, he saw everything the right way, and he explained it. And having Marcus Blaine and Steve, Stevie J, Steve Jackson there, I just always tried to follow that lead from a distance, you know, not to be all up on them and overwhelm them, but just close enough to where I know what's going on because the biggest thing they told me was you always just want to be prepared. You never want to come in there and be a guy that the DBs can't count on or a guy that will bust the coverage or something like that. So that's just always something I uh, tried to focus on. And having Greg Williams as our coordinator was a a big thing also because Greg held you accountable and made you have that feeling like, damn, I don't want to mess this up, you know? And uh, it was just good, you know, playing with those veterans. I think it rubbed off on me one time, I remember, uh, the 2002 season, and we were playing the Cleveland Browns. This is the year we had the one and four start. So uh, Mike Eccles ended up coming in the game. I don't know if he was ready or whatever. You know, we had some people down, and it was a rough fourth quarter for him. I think we lost in overtime, and Derek Mason, you know, Mason, Mason's intense, you know, he wants to win and everything. And he wasn't wrong in what he was saying. You know, he was basically saying, you know, Mike needed to be ready, blah, 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 whatever. And when I heard him say it, I threw a chair. Like, I literally threw a chair down this in the locker, locker room after just, the game. You know, out of frustration. Was this in the locker room after the game? Yeah, this is in the locker room after the game. And it wasn't so much that I was. Uh, Someone that trying to hit anyone or anything like that, but it was more so me just trying to stand up for Mike Eccles so he would know, like, you know, don't don't feel bad. It's not like we don't need you or don't want you to do well. And I think, you know, that's really the only time I remember the brain bishop rubbing off at me. That's, yeah. that's probably the only time. But that was a good thing because Blaine uh, showed me that you got to care. You got to hold everybody accountable. While you're talking about Blaine, let's go, let's go to the Super Bowl uh, with Blaine and Marcus not out there. Uh, Marcus didn't didn't even start, uh, having injured himself right the game before in Jacksonville, and Blaine suffering a concussion in in the first half. Um, you guys obviously weren't yourself defensively in that game. Uh, how how hard? How often do you think back to that? How, how often in your life have you thought about maybe what would have happened if if you guys were at full strength in that game? Uh, not having Marcus going into that game, we knew that was going to be a little difficult. Not saying Anthony Dorsett didn't have the ability or anything; he just didn't have the experience or the playmaking ability of Marcus. So. Coming into that game and then knowing we were playing the rounds and what we were up against, I was just happy that we had a chance at the end. Like, I know Kurt Warner threw for all those yards, but whenever we got in the red zone, our defense held up and uh, played pretty well. So, if anything, like, that that team, that game, it, it never bothered me as much as it did the next year when we lost to Baltimore because that team was the best team I'd ever been on, like any level. And there's no way you couldn't have told us we were going to win the Super Bowl that year. And I think I think mostly everybody would agree, like, that's probably the, the game that hurt the most as far as 
our Titans history, that one hurt a lot. Yeah, and they went and did it again uh, after you were gone. I was on same, that team. Exact, exact same kind of <laughs> loss to Baltimore. And I see they weren't as good as you guys were in, in 2000, but they, they should have won a home playoff game against Baltimore. Tell me your vantage point on Isaac Bruce's catch there where Denard Walker – was it Denard Walker and uh, yeah? I want to say Perry Phoenix. It wasn't Perry Phoenix. It was Anthony Dorsett. No, it was uh, Denard, Denard Walker and, and Anthony Dorsett kind of both uh-huh. collectively missed him. Javon Curse missed Kurt Warner by a couple inches at best, a, mil- a millisecond. Uh, you were on the other side of the field, I'm guessing. What what yeah. was it like to watch that <laughs> unfold? Yes, I was going. Isaac came on that play and. Uh, the rounds just they guessed right. We came out in a man to man single high defense. I guess with Javon hitting Kurt Warner the way he did or affecting the pass, it was kind of underthrown and Isaac Bruce made a great adjustment. But to this day whenever I see a play, like A D's gotta get him down somehow. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he you've gotta get him on the ground right there so we can line up again. Uh I think Marcus makes that tackle. Obviously, but he wasn't there. Where's your AFC championship ring? My mom has it. She do anything with it, or is it kind of a trophy case thing, or she got it tucked away in a drawer? I, I was assume it was a uh, trophy case thing. Like I, it just there was no purpose in having a uh, AFC championship ring to me. When's the last time you actually saw it? I would have to say. Uh, Probably two thousand when we got them. You gave it to her, and that was that. Yeah, uh, same thing with uh, our runner-up uh, national title ring, and from Florida State when we lost. I don't have that one either. She have that one too. She has that one also. Yes. So twice a bridesmaid, never never a bride. How much does that eat at, at a guy who was super competitive? Amazing. Amazing. I've never won uh, any level of football. I've never won a, a championship game. Not even Pee Wee or junior high or high school, huh? We lost in double overtime, Pee Wee. <laughs> what position were you playing in that game? Quarterback. I played quarterback all the way uh, up until getting to Florida State. How'd you play in that double overtime Pee Wee game? What was your team's name? <laughs> uh, we were the Miami Lakes Pythons. And we I lost to a lot of their lakes. That, that team is still good. Uh, How'd you play that? How'd later, you play 30 that years later, they're still good. How'd you play that game? Um, I was in seventh grade. We lost. Well, I'll say this. When we went to overtime, the score was 6-6. So I couldn't have played that well, being that we only had one touchdown. They beat you with the touchdown, or they, they, uh, nobody's kicking at that age, right? No, they, um, th- that's the first time I learned that Todd goes to the receiver. Uh, our, our DB and their receiver had the ball, and when they came to get up the rough a touchdown. He said, Ty goes to the receiver. That's how we lost. That stuck with you. Only time I ever cried after a game. Is that right? Only yeah. football well, time I, you ever cried? The Baltimore game, I wanted to cry, but I wouldn't let myself. But uh, that one hurt. Like, to this day, when just talking about that Baltimore game, 
it just it stung. What was and that locker room like, forward, Samari? Before we got forward, in there later. to ask you guys what happened, what was that locker room like after you walked off that field for the Baltimore game? It was it was nothing like when we lost the Super Bowl because the like the ninety nine team, it's almost like we were just playing. You know, we were going about it however it came. We didn't have any expectations or anything. We were just playing. So when we lost the Super Bowl, it was almost like, okay, we know what we got to do to get here next year. And just when you when you leave the field and it's 10-10 and you come back and it's 24-10 like that and everybody just looking around, it was it was bad, man. It was It was a bad feeling that day. Like, it was... It just stung because everyone knew in the NFL that, like, we had the best team. But we just didn't, didn't play our best that day. Was it better or worse that they went on to win the whole thing? It was worse. It was worse because of, uh, I want to say the arrogance that they had, but uh, it was almost like, you know, they, everyone said they had the greatest defense and, NFL history, you know, we finished number one in total defense that year. People people don't talk about it. Like, all that stuff was something we wanted to hang our hat on, being that we were going to outplay that defense that day, and we were going to make sure Eddie George got his 100 yards that day. Like, everything we set out to do that day, we did. We just didn't play well on special teams. And that. When I like that's the game where I truly learned when the uh, season was over. Like I truly learned that you need all three phases in order to win. Like you need a you need a great kicking game. You need a, a great returner. You need guys that uh, can tackle. Or, you know a kicker that you can count on. I, all of that I learned from that one game. I'm sure you during your time in Baltimore when you were Raven you were walking in through a player's entrance the vast majority of the time. But I've been in that building, uh, a palace, a castle, and that <laughs> Super Bowl trophy very prominently displayed in the, in the lobby. How often did you walk by it during – how long were you in Baltimore? Four years or was it longer than that? I played four years, but I was on the team uh, five. So last year I didn't, I didn't play. So in those five day. years, how often did you walk by that trophy and did it scream at you, or were you able to ignore it? The the first time I went to the building and like walked by, <laughs> I was like, man. And I was walking with Ozzy, actually. And I'm like, Ozzy, you know that shouldn't even be here. And you know, he just <laughs> laughed it off or <laughs> whatever. And uh, basically, after that first year, you know, it, it didn't feel odd or anything the first time i played there in uh i think that was the 05 season when we played the titans the second game i think you came to baltimore we sat down and talked for a little while or whatever yep. that uh that felt different coming back that first time and uh it being so soon but ever since then playing the titans it just felt normal it felt like any other team you consider yourself a Titan or a Raven? Titan. Titan for life. Yeah. Titan for life. The dynamics of the, the teams are totally different. 
Like, I'm not saying one is better than the other. It's just a different type of uh, vibe or atmosphere to where Tennessee is more of a, I, I won't say, like, team thing, but more of a, like, a tight, close-knit group to where, as opposed to Baltimore, you know, you've got, you've got polarizing personalities and you've got all the same players out there. So... Just the dynamics of it was different. I want to pick up on that, but let's take a break first. My guest is Samari Roll, the uh, the great Titans and Ravens cornerback, uh, and one of my favorite all-time Titans. Uh, this is the Paul Kuharski podcast brought to you by Yazoo, uh, good Nashville-made beer that you could find in and around Middle Tennessee. Pick up a six-pack, uh, order one next time you're out at a bar. I'm partial to the Hefeweizen. This is where I give you a sales pitch. Samari, you'll tell me what kind of salesman I am. You can get the <laughs> second part of this podcast, which is going to be even better than what we've covered so far. I save the better questions. You can get everything I write. You can get weekly private Periscope sessions, post-game Periscope sessions uh, on the private Facebook page. All this stuff is members only, five ninety nine a month, the price of a good beer or a, uh, a nice, uh, what do I always say, a couple bottles of water, for crying out loud. Um, also, you can get uh, 12 months for the price of 11. Training camp is about to crank up. You're going to want to be part of it. I'm the best uh, analysis you're going to find on this team that's covered by young, inexperienced people. <laughs> or people who are on the team payroll these days. Uh, I'm, I'm the unique guy in the market. You hear me on Midday 180 on a regular basis, uh, and you should be getting what I've got to offer at paulkuharski.com. We'll be back in a moment with more from members only with Samari Roll. Stay tuned. The Paul Kuharski Podcast is a joint production of paulkuharski.com and Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit VocalNow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-Now.com.